Chapter Fifteen of Miss Billy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere. Miss Billy by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Fifteen. What Bertram calls the limit. At half past ten o'clock on the evening following Mister Stetson's very plain talk with William. The telephone bell at the Beacon Street house rang sharply. Pete answered it. Well, Pete never said hello. Hello, is that you, Pete? Called Billy's voice agitatedly. Is Uncle William there? No, Miss Billy. Oh dear. Well, Mister Cyril then. He's out too, Miss Billy, and Mister Bertram. They're all out. Yes, yes, I know he's out. Almost sobbed Billy. Dear, dear, what shall I do? Pete, you'll have to come. There isn't any other way. Yes, Miss. Where? Pete's voice was dubious but respectful. To the Boylston Street subway on the Common, you know, northbound side. I'll wait for you, but hurry. You see, I'm all alone here. Alone, Miss Billy, in the subway at this time of night. But Miss Billy, you shouldn't. You can't. You, you mustn't. Stuttered the old man in helpless horror. Yes, yes, Pete. But never mind. I am here. And I should think if 'twas such a dreadful thing, you would hurry fast to get here, so I wouldn't be alone. Appealed Billy, with an inarticulate cry. Pete jerked the receiver onto the hook and stumbled away from the telephone. Five minutes later, he had left the house and was hurrying through the common to the Boylston Street subway station. Billy, a long cloak thrown over her white dress, was waiting for him. Her white slippers tapped the platform nervously, and her hair. Under the light scarf of lace, fluffed into little broken curls as if it had been blown by the wind. Miss Billy, Miss Billy, what can this mean? Gasped the man. Where is Mrs. Stetson? At Mrs. Hartwell's. You know she is giving a reception tonight. But come, we must hurry. I'm after Mr. Bertram. After Mr. Bertram? Yes, yes. Alone like this? But I'm not alone now. I have you. Don't you see? At the blank stupefaction in the man's face. The girl sighed impatiently. "Dear me, I suppose I'll have to explain, but we're losing time, and we mustn't. We mustn't!" she cried feverishly. "Listen, then, quick! It was at Mrs. Hartwell's tonight. I'd been watching Mr. Bertram. He was with that horrid Mr. Seaver, and I never liked him. Never. I overheard something they said about some place they were going to, and I didn't like what Mr. Seaver said." I tried to speak to Mr. Bertram, but I didn't get a chance. And the next thing I knew, he'd gone with that Seaver man. I saw them just in time to snatch my cloak and follow them. Follow them, Miss Billy. I had to, Pete. Don't you see? There was no one else. Mr. Cyril and Uncle William had gone home, I supposed. I sent back word by the maid to Aunt Hannah that I'd gone ahead. You know the carriage was ordered for eleven. But I'm afraid she won't have sense to tell Aunt Hannah. She looked so dazed and frightened when I told her. But I couldn't wait to say more. Well, I hurried out and caught up with Mr. Bertram, just as they were crossing Arlington Street to the garden. I'd heard them say they were going to walk, so I knew I could do it. But Pete, after I got there, I didn't dare to speak. I didn't dare to, so I just followed. They went straight through the garden and across the common to Tremont Street, and on and on until they stopped and went down some stairs, all marble and lights and mirrors. 'Twas a restaurant, I think. 
I saw just where it was. Then I flew back here to telephone for Uncle William. I knew he could do something, but, well, you know the rest. I had to take you. Now come quick, I'll show you. But, Miss Billy, I can't. You mustn't. It's impossible, chattered old Pete. Come, let me take ye home, Miss Billy. Do. Home? And leave Mr. Bertram with that Seaver man? No, no. What can ye do? Do? I can get him to come home with me, of course. The old man made a despairing gesture and looked about him as if for help. He saw then the curious, questioning eyes on all sides, and with a quick change of manner he touched Miss Billy's arm. Yes, we'll go. Come. He apparently agreed. But once outside, on the broad expanse before the subway entrance, he stopped again. Miss Billy, please come home, he implored. Ye don't know, you can't know what you're a-doin'. The girl tossed her head. She was angry now. Pete, if you will not go with me, I shall go alone. I am not afraid. But the hour, the place, you, young girl, Miss Billy, remonstrated the old man agitatedly. It isn't so very late. I've been out lots of times later than this at home. And as for the place, it's all light and bright. And lots of people were going in, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing could hurt me, Pete, and I shall go. But I'd rather you were with me. Why, Pete, we mustn't leave him. He isn't... He isn't himself, Pete. He's been drinking. Billy's voice broke, and her face flushed scarlet. She was almost crying. Come, you won't refuse now, she finished, resolutely turning toward the street. And because old Pete could not pick her up bodily and carry her home, he followed close at her heels. At the head of the marble stairs, all lights and mirrors, however, he made one last plea. Miss Billy, once more I beg of you, won't ye come home? You don't know what you're a-doing, Miss Billy. You don't. You don't. I can't go home, persisted Billy. I must get Mr. Bertram away from that man. Now come. We'll just stand at the door and look in until we see him. Then I'll go straight to him and speak to him. And with that she turned and ran down the steps. Billy blinked a little at the lights which, reflected in the great plate-glass mirrors, were a million dazzling points that found themselves again repeated in the sparkling crystal and glittering silver on the flower-decked tables. All about her Billy saw flush-faced men and bright-eyed women, laughing, chatting, and clinking together their slender-stemmed wine-glasses. But nowhere, as she looked about her, could Billy descry the man she sought. The head-waiter came forward with uplifted hand, but Billy did not see him. A girl at her left laughed disagreeably, and several men stared with boldly admiring eyes. But to them, too, Billy paid no heed. Then... Halfway across the room, she spied Bertram and Seaver sitting together at a small table alone. Simultaneously, her own and Bertram's eyes met. With a sharp word under his breath, Bertram sprang to his feet. His befogged brain had cleared suddenly under the shock of Billy's presence. "'Billy, for heaven's sake, what are you doing here?' he demanded in a low voice as he reached her side. I came for you. I want you to go home with me, please, Mr. Bertram, whispered Billy pleadingly. The man had not waited for an answer to his question. With a deft touch, he had turned Billy toward the door, and even as she finished her sentence, she found herself in the marble hallway, confronting Pete, 
pallid-faced and shaking. "'And you, too, Pete? Great Scott, what does this mean?' he exploded angrily. Pete could only shake his head and glance imploringly at Billy. His dry lips and tongue refused to articulate even one word. "'We came for you,' choked Billy. "'You see, I don't like that Seaver man.' "'Well, by Jove, this is the limit,' breathed Bertram. End of chapter 15